Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The House yesterday passing the annual National Defense Authorization Act, otherwise known as NDAA, for this fiscal year. It's worth $858 billion, but there's a lot packed into the bill other than national defense. Joining us to discuss this new bill, we have Cesar Ibarra, Vice President of Policy at FreedomWorks. Cesar Ibarra, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, great to be on. Cesar, the NDAA has uh, just passed uh, through the House, the annual defense spending bill worth about $858 billion. Um, in your assessment, was this enough to satisfy our defense needs? Yes, well, here's the thing. Obviously, we want a strong military. We want to em employ a, a policy of peace through, through strength. I think all Republicans are for that. But but the big problem here is that uh, this is a massive legislation, and it also includes a lot of things that gave a lot of Republicans heartburn. For example, there were a lot of provisions inside this legislation that pretty much uh, put forward uh, the Green New Deal uh, within the Department of Defense, right, whether it's deploying, uh, you know, war vehicles that are, you know, uh, electrical and then the, the DOD's um, uh, car fleet to be electrical as well. Just all of these things that Republicans have been opposing in different pieces of legislation, these are the ones that made it uh, into the massive Department of Defense legislation. Um, I think Republicans also expressed concern over, over uh, the vaccine uh, mandate repeal. And why did they express concern? Because the legislation simply said that the Department of Defense is required to rescind the memo that authorizes the uh, the vaccine mandate on service members. However, it does uh, it, it, it 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 doesn't have any assurance. It gives us no assurances that DOD uh, will not do that again, right? So it simply says get rid of it, but nothing that says you cannot do this again. Um, and we've known from from the COVID hysteria that uh, that the, these federal politicians always flip flop on when or when uh, we don't need these vaccine mandates. So so yeah, I mean the, it wasn't a perfect bill, but uh, we'll we you know we'll see if it gets through the Senate and onto the president's desk. Yeah, there were surely a lot of interesting things packed in there, uh, especially initially. To your point, there was another measure uh, tethered to the bill, the JCPA. A lot of these things typically go unnoticed to the vast majority of our country. If you could break this down for us, how a measure related to journalism and the media could be tethered to a defense bill. Yeah, so this is this is a this is Congress at its worst, right? So what what Congress there's always two pieces of legislation that are considered must pass in every fiscal year. One is the appropriations bill, which is currently being debated, and the other one is the uh, the NDA, the National Defense Authorization Act. These are must pass bills, and what these politicians try to do is they try to tack their pet. Uh, projects into these bills because they, uh, they'll, they, you know, that's why they're called writers, right? Because they they ride on the coats of these uh, must-pass bills. So the JCPA was, um, you know, it was a, a bill that was not germane to the, the legislation that dealt with, dealt with um, you know, journalism and and sort of the how how that industry operates, right? But again, what does journalism and competition, competition and journalism have to do with uh, our national defense? It has nothing to do with it, and 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 again. Again, this is another prime example of everything that is wrong with the current Congress. Um, you know, we need to get rid of these must-pass bills, and we need to go back to single-subject legislation. If we're going to consider a defense bill, let's only consider defense. If we're going to consider journalism uh, policy, let's let's um, 
Let's deal with that separately. But we cannot be – we have to get rid of these must-pass uh, bills because, um, you know, a lot of bad things happen there. And, and again, these politicians always try to get try to get points uh, with these bills. So we have to get, get rid of that, this uh, practice as soon as possible. So drilling it down even further when it comes to the JCPA, uh, there were quite a few concerns raised over this bill uh, standing alone, uh, or this rider, if you will, uh, especially when it comes to uh, China. Yeah, yeah, again, so there are no protections on how this bill would sort of, you know, there were no protections in this bill that that uh, that would have given uh, China an upper hand with this legislation. Again, but here's, here's the broader point that I want to get to with this JCPA. If we're going to consider JCPA, let's have a hearing, let's have a markup, let, let this legislation go through the legislative process. If there are concerns over how this bill, bill uh, deals with China, we need to have those debates and these concerns uh, address in committee hearings with stakeholders having input, not a bill that is be you know you know that not not plugging in uh, these uh, these policies in the middle of the night and have them considered uh, you know the morning after. So that that's what I would say. Um, it's these these pieces of legislation need to be uh, addressed on their own, right? And in committee hearings where people have a chance to have their input uh, and voice heard. And before I let you go, I mean, how much leverage or influence do special interest groups in Washington uh, lobbyists have over some of these critical bills like the NDAA? Oh, a lot, right? Well, you look at the defense community, right? All of these, all of the defense titans in America, they are big donors to Democrats and Republicans. Um, all, you know, you look at the National Association of Broadcasters, they are, uh, you know, they're, they're, they were one of the big pushers of the JCPA. They were also... Um, they're also big donors to a lot of these politicians. So yeah, just follow the money and look at how they're trying to pass legislation. And you're gonna see a lot of correlation with, with congressional priorities and how much money these special interest groups pour um, on, on the legislative process. Cesar Ibarra, thank you so much. Thank you. The crisis at the southern border continues to impact Americans in many ways, and not just those who live along the border. Lawmakers on Capitol Hill have been paying close attention, recently introducing a new measure. To discuss the border crisis, we spoke to Javier Palomares, president and CEO of the U.S. Hispanic Business Council. Javier Palomares, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Javier, I have to ask you, uh, with all that is happening on our southern border, are the businesses, the small businesses, medium-sized businesses being impacted by this border crisis? Uh, absolutely. You know, I have to tell you that, that particularly down on the southern border, uh, you know, our businesses are feeling the impact. Uh, you know, we, we find ourselves with an immigration system that's uh, just incredibly badly broken. Uh, huge backlogs, uh, historic influxes of, of migrants coming here. And frankly, poor policy have, have led us to this place. Uh, at the end of the day, it, it's the Americans that are uh, along the southern border uh, whether that's an educator or somebody providing medical services or somebody uh, with a business. Uh, they are all feeling the impact uh, of this bad policy and the crisis that exists right now along the southern border. I'd like to ask you about uh, Title 42. It was a Trump era policy. For a while, it seemed like it was very uh, partisan. However, now we're seeing President Biden uh, himself wanting to keep it in place. Uh, what is your sentiment um, on Title 42? 
I, I would encourage the administration to keep Title 42 in place. Uh, this is critically necessary right now uh, along the border. As I mentioned, you know, we have a huge backlog of, of migrants waiting uh, on the border. Uh, Title 42, in a nutshell, allows a Border Patrol agent to immediately send someone back and, and remove them from our country if they test positive for COVID or if they have a criminal uh, or drug background of any sort. Uh, this is necessary to try to handle the situation and the crisis that exists right now. It also allows us to sort the good from the bad uh, and help those who want to enter the country, want to contribute to our economy, and want to help us move our nation forward. Uh, but as it stands right now, the backlog that we see is incredible. And, for, and Title 42 is one of those elements that we need to alleviate the crisis that exists uh, on the southern border. I think we should listen to the people, the Americans, that are on the southern border that are talking to the administration. Uh, you know, Judge uh, Cortez uh, comes to mind. Uh, judge Cortez is, uh, is a, an Hidalgo County judge. He is uh, Richard Cortez. He is an, an Hidalgo County judge, by the way, a fellow Democrat. He has written to President Biden not once but twice and urged the president to keep Title 42 in place because, as he put it, the expiration of Title 42 would transform a manageable um, crisis uh, into an unimaginable crisis. We need to listen to our elected officials like Richard Cortez, Judge Richard Cortez, on the southern border and keep Title 42 in place. Now, it's interesting you highlighted a fellow Democrat. Could you tell us, I mean, as a business leader in your in your state, in your community, is uh, the border issue a partisan issue? You know, I'd have to say it's not. It, it was at one point. But I think now both sides, both Democrats and Republicans, uh, are seeing the crisis for what it really is. Uh, this is an American tragedy. It is something, frankly, that we can fix. We have the resources. We have the manpower. Uh, what we need now is the will, particularly the political will. And I'd like to mention, by the way, that um, there is something called the Bipartisan Border Solutions Act um, that illustrates to me and others who are, who are watching that there is yet room for Republicans and Democrats to come together and work towards uh, feasible, uh, sustainable solutions. The Bipartisan uh, Border Solutions Act is being led in the Senate by Republican Senator John Cornyn, and it's being led in the House by Democratic uh, Congressman Henry Cuellar. Uh, in a sense, and, and a very high level, what it calls for is streamlining the asylum process, uh, hiring additional resources uh, throughout the system, whether that be Border Patrol agents, removal agents, uh, whether that's more lawyers in the system, uh, it also uh, calls for increasing the number of processing centers so we can divert, uh, you know, when needed, uh, individuals to, to different processing centers. And ultimately, ad additionally, it calls for better protection for um, unaccompanied children. These are common sense, uh, workable solutions that deal with the immediacy uh, and help uh, resolve the crisis that exists right now. But more importantly, it illustrates that these two men, John Cornyn on the right and Henry Cuellar on the left, are coming together, finding solutions that help not only the people of Texas, but frankly, all Americans. And it gives me hope 
that we can get past the partisan politics and start working together for the solutions that are necessary. Javier Palomares, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.